0: Hello everyone and welcome to RC Plane Lab. I'm Ron. I'm Tom. Today we're talking about servos. Servos. Servos are exciting. They are exciting. Well, they're really important. They're very necessary. They are necessary. necessary. There's
1: a lot. They they come in all sorts of different sizes. (laughs) And shapes. And colors.
0: And outputs.
1: And inputs. And
0: power consumptions. Weight. Heaviness. Sizes. Uh, Colors, footprints. Footprints. Bignesses. Yeah, those, so there's a lot of servos out there. What's a servo, Tom?
1: Well, a servo uh, is the actuator that physically moves the control surface that you want moved uh, via uh, a linkage of some kind on your airplane. Um, basically, it takes the uh, signal uh, that your receiver is getting from your transmitter. Uh, the receiver sends that signal to the servo and uh, Electromechanically moves your surface.
0: Nice, big word. Yeah, I know. It. Uh, I was it,
1: actually able to pronounce
0: it too the first time. You did a great job. We're all <laughs> proud of you. Uh, so it takes the rotational force, the rotational movement, I guess, of a of a motor, right, and creates a uh, linear force, right, uh, which is what you can use to move your your control surfaces. That's right. Yep. Exactly. Well put, sir. And that's about the only thing I'm going to have to add to this whole oh, conversation. that's not true.
1: Um, hey, you know, while we're talking about servos, why don't we talk about this week's Tool of the Week?
0: It's time for our Plane Labs Tool of the Week.
1: The Servo Tester. Handy-dandy little tool, perfect tool for setting up your servos. Uh, without having to fire up your your complete radio system.
0: Especially for how cheap they are. Yeah, they're really not very expensive at all. I bought a three-pack on Amazon (laughs) for under 15 bucks.
1: Yeah, um, and for for the function that they perform, um, very handy tool to have multiples of. Yeah,
0: what I I like is when I'm setting up an airplane, I don't have to get out the receiver. You don't have to bind it to the transmitter. You don't have to go through all that work just to set up a servo. All you do plug it into the servo tester, and not only can you center it to get, you know, true center for when you're setting them up, but you can also run it through its program to where it will sweep, you know, from full throw to full throw. Uh, Or you can use a knob, the knobs that are built onto it, to set it to a specific point. Yeah, for like a manual
1: control. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's handy uh, not only for finding the center uh, of your servo, but you can also use it to diagnose... Um problems with your servo, a noisy gear train, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, maybe a dead servo. Uh, mm-hmm. could be diagnosed pretty easily with one of these things before you go installing it into an airplane and finding out the hard way, you know, <laughs> that you have a servo that doesn't work. So yep. handy tool to have. Um I've got one. You've got, like you said, several. <laughs>
0: Four I think now. But yeah. Oh uh, I mean, like I said, I keep them in my in my boxes. Yeah. It's good to go to the field with you in case you need one. Yeah. yeah it's it's good, good to stay at home with your toolbox if you need to set stuff up. Yeah, it's, it's a good little yeah. troubleshooting device. So,
1: mm-hmm. yep, that's our tool of the week this week. For a good reason. Yeah, very good reason. Everybody and, should have multiples. Hey, while we're <laughs> – I'm going to get on my soapbox here real quick. Since we're talking about servos and we just covered the servo tester, um, there is a right way and a wrong way <laughs> to assemble your servo when you when you get it out of the new package or the box or whatever. And what I'm talking about is the brass or – steel eyelets that go in the grommets. And like I said, there's a right way and there's a not right way to install those.
0: You know, I'll be honest. I learned how to do it the right way from you. And it completely makes sense. And I never even thought about it beforehand. Like yeah. most of mine were installed upside down. Yeah. Um, and that's bad. That's very bad. Well, that's not
1: good I mean, at all. It, yeah, it's it's not usually going to attribute to a catastrophic failure of some kind, but it's just bad practice and <laughs> well, you're not getting, and you're not, um, the intended use of the servo. You're not getting that full measure of what that servo can do unless these grommets and eyelets are installed correctly. Correctly. Yep. And the instructions that come with your servo, if, if your servo comes with instructions, um, they usually tell you exactly how to install them, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you how to do it. Who reads instructions, by the way? <laughs> right, exactly. So listen: the brass or steel or aluminum eyelet that uh, Which normally come, it's brass. Normally brass. I've seen I've seen steel ones and aluminum ones. Um, it has a flanged end, and then it has a. You know, the other end obviously is not flanged. It's designed to be uh, inserted into the rubber grommet that snaps into the ear or clamps onto the ear of your servo.
0: Which, by the way, the easiest way that I've found to install those, because they're always a pain if you don't use a tool to install them when you're actually putting the grommet through the the the, the rubber grommet thing. Did I I make sense? When you're when when you're you're putting the piece of eyelet, okay, yeah. So when you're putting the brass eyelet through the grommet, easiest thing that I found to do is I use a uh, one of my smaller Allen wrenches.
1: Oh yeah, that works too, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: and then um, it slides in a lot easier. Yep.
1: Yeah. I use uh, I use my little number. I think it's like a number zero or something like that. Phillips uh, screwdriver out of my little jeweler's screwdriver case that everybody seems to have. Yeah, one of, hm. um, and I slide them on there. You know, stack them on there, flange side down. I do too now. And then yeah, and then you can use that to shove them in the grommet and. Speaking of the flange, the flange goes down. The flange goes on the bottom of the servo. And the reason for that is you want the flange making contact with your servo rail or or the wood surface that you're mounting the servo to, such that when you take the flanged screw that comes with your servos and you thread that down in on top, you're then creating a nice pocket uh, that you cannot compress beyond a certain Let me just say you can't over compress it because you're (laughs) cinching that screw down on the unflanged end of that eyelet and you're creating that perfect pocket for that rubber grommet to do its job, which is to absorb vibration that can be harmful to electronics like we covered in the prop balancing episode.
0: Yeah, and it's also good on like the the drivetrain and stuff and the servos too. Because yeah. if for some reason you, oh, well, let's just say a tail wheel, mm-hmm. you know, let's say it's a it's uh, a servo for your rudder. If you land a little bit of a, an angle or something and your your tail wheel hits the ground mm-hmm. out of whack, yep. um, that's a lot of strain that goes through to that servo. Absolutely, and that bushing, you know, the rubber grommet, yep. whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, is a nice little shock absorber for that to kind of take some of that strain yep. off of the servo.
1: Absolutely. Where you don't have to rely on the gears to absorb that shock where, you know, if you've installed the eyelets correctly, uh, you'll be protecting your gear train. And making your sogo last longer.
0: And see, I I always like to over-tighten things anyway. (laughs) So when I did that, you know, before it was like these need to be tight. You don't want them to move. Well, you Mm -hmm. actually do want them to move. A little bit. Not a lot. You're right. But you want to have a little bit of play in them so that they
1: can do their job. Exactly. So, yeah, even I learned something. There you go. So I'll get off my soapbox. Uh, that's the correct way to install the eyelets uh, in the grommets on your servos. Flange side down. Just remember that, and you'll uh, you'll never go wrong. Mm-hmm. So let's cover a few definitions, right? So we talked about servos. Uh, there are some terms. Uh, that go along with servos that uh, not everybody understands. So we'll start with uh, the arm, a servo arm, right? It's not like an arm, you know, with a bicep and stuff. Look at them stuff. muscles. But it's the arm is what um, bolts or screws to the output shaft, which we'll cover in a second. Um, that actually transmits that that motion and converts it. It doesn't convert it, but it it moves in a linear fashion, kind of a circular linear fashion. Well, it moves in an arc. In an arc, right. Um, But this is the device that mounts to the output shaft that you connect your control linkage to. So that's called the servo arm. Usually when you buy a servo, it comes with an assortment of arms um, that are usually uh, perfectly adequate. Uh, for the intended use of that servo now there are aftermarket companies that produce arms that are very high quality um, sometimes maybe you want a little more throw uh, so the arm is not long enough which we'll talk about in uh, in maybe a servo setup episode or something like that down the road um, but anyway that's what an arm is it's it's a little device usually plastic uh, in most cases that come with your servo it bolts to the output shaft and yeah. that takes us to the output shaft Uh That's the shaft that's physically sticking out the top or I guess there's some servos that have them out the top and bottom, which are kind of weird, but they're out there. Um, You can find them on various places like Amazon. They're weird looking, but they're out Uh, there. New ones, really? Yeah. I wonder what Um, that's used for. uh, I would imagine if you needed something like a parallel
0: Maybe like robotics or
1: something? Yeah. yeah. But but you'll see something like that if you do some shopping for servos. Um, But the the output shaft is the, like we mentioned, it's the thing that the arm is bolted to. And it's the thing that
0: sticks out of
1: the servo that's usually splined or squared or something like that, that your servo arm kind of keys onto and then you screw it down.
0: And then the output shaft connects to the gears that are inside of the servo. Exactly. And those are the... I guess you could say the cogs that yeah. are inside the servo. Yep. Um, and they're usually metal or plastic.
1: They can be metal or plastic. Um,
0: and they're, they're what kind of connect the motor to that output shaft. Exactly. Because, you know, believe it or not, there's a lot that goes on inside of a, of a servo. It's yeah. not just a simple motor that goes straight to, a you know, a, a, an arm. Right. Um, there's a lot of gear reductions and exactly. a, a potentiometer and all that kind of stuff that's connected to it. Yep. Um yeah, so that's what the the gears do. Is it connects all that together, yep. and you can strip your gears absolutely, which is a very bad thing on a servo.
1: Yeah, and and we'll talk about a little bit about the advantages of of different types of gear trains and things like that. So, uh, so that's the definitions. Uh, there will be a few more definitions later, but the, those are specific to those particular applications. So, um, basically. There's two types of servo um, with different kind of variations of each type. So there's analog servos and there's digital servos. Um, What's more common now, by the way? Digital servos are are really kind of becoming the norm, um, whereas analog, you know, back in my day, uh, there was no (laughs) such thing as digital servos. And really, the only difference is an analog servo, uh, it receives the command or the pulse uh, from the receiver at a rate of it's approximately uh, fifty times a second. So basically, that servo um, is able to understand and move, or, or I should say, understand and interpret the signal from the receiver fifty times per second. So, which is fifty hertz. Okay, I'm not, I'm not okay, an electronics well, guy, but sure. Um, so, if you want to think of it. So in a second, that servo can move 50 times. So if you think of time as being infinite, so in an infinite amount of time between zero and one second, that servo could move 50 times. The rest of that infinite time, it's sitting still. I mean, we're talking minuscule amounts of time, but that servo is only going to receive and understand a command from the receiver 50 times per second.
0: But that doesn't mean it's sitting still. You said it's sitting still. Any other time, it'll still be moving and, and doing its job, right? But it won't be interpreting the signal and trying to get it, right? You so, know, fifty times it's written where
1: it's supposed to go, exactly. If you if you want to understand it, so um, at millisecond, let's so so from zero to one second, we have let's say fifty milliseconds of time. At millisecond twenty nine, the servo is trying to find position A. And it's going to continue to try to find that position A until it receives the next command at millisecond 30. So if you try to give it a command somewhere in that time frame, it's going to go to that last commanded one and then try to find your next one. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. The, Without getting, you are correct in the basics, to, but the fifty milliseconds in a second is what threw me off because oh, that's sorry. that's
1: not. Well, well, let's say from zero to fifty milliseconds okay. at at millisecond twenty-nine, the servo is moving to your last commanded position, and then let's just say fiftieth of a second, two
0: fiftieth. I'm sorry, okay. that's how my mind thinks. So okay, I, I get more confused when we try and scale things. <laughs> okay. uh, so if we break it down, yes, one fiftieth of a second, it's going to get a signal. Two 50ths of a second is going to get a signal exactly. And that does break down to actual milliseconds, right? Um, but we're not going to do that now, but just so you know. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> there, there are 50 times a second is when it gets that signal right. and, and tries to um, update the actual Perfect. output shaft's
1: position position. Exactly.
0: All right, And then digital servos work a little bit differently, right? So tell us how.
1: Well, they're just faster. So they they uh, a digital servo has a microprocessor actually built into the servo to speed up that uh, that processing time. Uh so instead of um 50 times a second, it can actually receive, understand and process a signal 300 times a second. So uh the digitals are more precise. Uh, because they they respond quicker to your control inputs. They're not trying to find the last known position uh, before they move on to the next one. Um, so they're more precise and they are capable of holding. Their holding power is, is stronger because they're receiving that uh, command more often than an analog servo.
0: So the nice thing about digital servos is the fact that they are, while they might not receive the signal faster from the receiver because the receiver can only give signals, you know, depending on how, quickly it gives. uh, What it does is actually checks itself more often Mm -hmm. and tries to correct more often. Does that make sense? Is that what you're trying to go for? Yes, exactly. So it won't have as much, I don't want to say dead time because there's really not dead time, but it won't have as much... uh, Space in between movements, if you will, exactly. you know, going back into that whole microsecond right. and nanosecond exactly. and all that fun yeah. stuff.
1: So, and you can you can usually tell the difference between an analog and a digital while they're powered on by grabbing the control surface and trying to move it. Um, like an analog servo, it's um, it's much more grainy. I, I guess in its response, it's going it to emit kind of a, you know, in protest, it's going to kind of emit a low, kind of a rumble, growling kind of sound. Whereas a digital, because of the higher frequency involved, uh, when you grab that control surface and try to move it, it's going to be a higher pitch, almost like a whining.
0: And a lot of times you'll hear them do that just when they're just sitting when there. they're sitting, yeah. Yeah, because it's just trying to go back and forth between where it needs to be and just constantly correct itself. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Okay. So usually digital servos, there I go, scratching myself. Um, <laughs> digital servos will usually outperform an analog servo of the same size and type um, just because of the, of the you know, the... The way they're made? The way they're made and, and the, the electronics and the, inside. Exactly. And the way they interpret the signal and process it and all that kind of stuff. So. Okay. Yeah. So digital servos are here to stay um, and they're pretty much becoming the norm. Uh, but you can still, you know, you can still get uh, analog servos out there and they're usually quite a bit cheaper
0: yeah so and there's i mean there's really nothing wrong with them no not at all that with what we fly what we do yeah. uh, analog signal or analog servos work just fine sure yep
1: um another kind of a variant of uh of digital servos that are fairly new and when i say fairly new i mean within the last you know 10 years or so, um, <laughs> high voltage servos, uh, that yeah. are capable of, of, uh, of processing or of, uh, operating at the higher voltages say that like a two cell lipo will provide. Uh, you can run those servos with that type of battery without a voltage regulator.
0: Yeah. So most, and we'll, we'll, we will get into setting up servos and all that stuff in another episode, maybe yeah. even next week, depending on yeah. how things go. Yep. Um, but definitely like most signal or shooosh, most <laughs> servos, if I get it right, um, are not happy with higher voltages and they will burn out. Yeah. So a normal analog signal, oh, my, I did it again. You a did. normal analog servo there we go. Uh, is only supposed to be ran off like your six-volt battery. You're right. not supposed to go up to the seven, two, or eight, fours yeah. on yeah. them.
1: Four four 4.8 to six volts is where the, yeah, the, six the is designed to be ran. Yeah. Right. Because of the motor. It's, it's, and it's, yeah, and it's just because of the motor that's in the servo. Yeah, it's not uh, made to take the right. the higher voltage. Exactly. So the higher voltage servos are are um, are out there. They're they're quite a bit more expensive, um, but like I said, they do allow you to operate with those lipo batteries without any kind of uh, a regulator or a regulating device uh, designed to bring the voltage down uh, in a more uh, servo friendly voltage range.
0: Well, and that's nice because that's one less thing to worry about in the setup of your airplane. Oh, absolutely. So if you don't have to worry about a voltage regulator or uh, like the SmartFly right. uh, EQ6 that has the voltage regulator mm-hmm. built into it or, you know, separate voltage regulators for each battery, mm-hmm. it just makes it so much easier not to not have to worry about that. It does. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's bad to have them. No. But it's just long. one more failure point that I don't want to have to deal with if I can get away with it. It's more
1: wiring in the airplane and and a voltage regulator develops heat, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's bleeding off some of that extra voltage and Mm -hmm. it's got to put it somewhere. So there's usually a heat sink on the thing and uh, they can get hot. So um, I like the high voltage servos. Uh, I don't own very many of them because they are kind of expensive. Yeah. Um, And and most of my airplanes, let's be honest, um, analog servos are, are Good enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, and when we—so when we're talking about running a battery, like a, a two-cell LiPo or something, we're not talking about a normal electric airplane that has a BEC. Right. So the BECs will actually take it down to the, the correct uh, voltage to where you don't have to run high-voltage servos. Yep. Uh, we're talking more about bigger airplane setups and, you know, things where you have a gas engine and you're still trying to run usually like two battery setups and that kind of stuff with bigger airplanes. Yeah. So—
1: Perfect. So another um, variant of, uh, of digital servos are the programmable servos. Um, I have lot.
0: absolutely no experience with those. I have a little.
1: Um, okay. Uh, so without being too judgmental and, and saying you should do this or you should do that, okay. um, I'll just say what a, what a programmable servo does and we'll leave it at that um I I'll, I'll keep my opinions to myself but high tech um they make programmable servos there's probably other companies that uh, you can program servos also and it's basically just a digital servo with a uh, internal processor that you can then program certain parameters of the servo uh for example on on uh, some of my high tech servos um I can plug in my uh, servo tester which is also a uh, programmer from high tech um and I can actually program whether the servo travels in reverse So I don't have to use a servo reversing on the transmitter. Um, I can also program variable um, uh, torque limits so that I don't over-torque or or overpower uh, the electronics in the servo, like a voltage protection. Mm -hmm. Um, I can program the deadband width. Like I can make it really, really no deadband or I can add a little bit of deadband. I'm not sure why I would do that, but... You can do that with a, with a programmable servo. And, well, I and think other, the
0: wider the deadband is, the less wine you're going to have out
1: of them. Oh, well, there you go. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, so there are programmable servos out there. I own a few, um, and that's just a, another variant of a digital servo. Like I don't think there's any analog. I might be wrong, but I don't think there's any analog programmable servos out there. Usually, no, because looking, an,
0: no, because analog wouldn't have the the chip in it. So there you, you have to be digital in order to do that. But what I, where I can see digital servos being nice mm-hmm. uh, is the fact that you can get away with, I don't want to call it a dumb setup, but once again, with, with a, a programmable servo, you get rid of extra parts. Yes. So you don't have to have a matchbox if you're running two servos on an aileron. Uh, yeah, we have a couple of those out here. Um, you can just program that servo to do you know, endpoint adjustments. That way you can get them to match the center. You can get those to match that way too. And it's just so much easier to set them up singly with a programmer than it is to run it on a board. Right.
1: And like I said, it's just one less point of failure. And if you're limited on the number of channels on your transmitter, um, you could set up two servos, program them individually, and run them off of one channel without having to do the programming on two separate channels.
0: Yeah, using a Y-harness.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's another advantage of it. Um, like I said, I, I own some. Um, it is actually not my preferred method uh, to run multiple servos. I Really? I actually, yeah. I actually prefer to do the programming in the transmitter if I have the channel available
0: oh but see that gets to be a little bit more difficult
1: because it's, that eats really, up a lot of channels it does um, but if you have channels to spare um, it actually in in my opinion makes the makes the setup easier because the feedback I get on my transmitter I get it right on the screen and it's visible and I can program it and usually you've got at least on on a lot of spectrum transmitters you have graphs and things like that you can see most of your other Uh, brands the same way. So you have that visible frame of reference when you're doing your programming. And when you're mixing channels together, you can can make sure that they're exactly matching. And then you can go in there and fine tune one channel or the other without actually having to find the lead, unplug it, plug it into your programmer, power it up, and then set the... I mean, it's a weird programming sequence, at least with my programmer, uh, to actually program a servo.
0: Yeah, but... I have to disagree with you on that one. I think for airplanes that are big enough to, to require, like a matchbox or, or a programmable uh, servo, I think it's so much easier to not have to worry about the setting in your radio hmm. than it would be to have the airplane set up correctly without using the radio.
1: Well, ideally, if you're ganging servos up on, on a control surface, let's say like an aileron, if you're using two servos to run one aileron, right. um, ideally, mechanically speaking, you know, the, the most ideal setup is to have it set up so you don't need to do any kind of programming or anything.
0: That's, so, that's not always that's possible. Not, that's hardly ever possible. I mean, because uh, let's be honest, if you're trying to set up an airplane, you don't want those to fight each other at all. Ever. You want them to be yeah. perfectly in sync. Yeah. So getting a servo set up to where, with the control surfaces, with the control horns, with all that stuff to be exact, uh, that's difficult. Like, so, I, don't, I don't think I could do that.
1: So I'm going to counter that by saying um, not all servos travel linearly. Even servos of the same brand of, and the same type may not travel at the same rate over their entire range of travel. So um, you can set up expo and curves on your transmitter. And I don't know of any servo programmer that you can do that with individually on a servo. Oh, I wouldn't set that up that way. You would have to. Because, no. because eventually at some point through that arc of travel, those servos are not going to be perfectly in sync, especially if the servos are not, you know, identical. And hardly any servo is identical to another.
0: No, but I think they're going to be a lot closer than trying to manually set it up. I mean like I think if you have it set up like with a smart board, like the, the smart fly board. Okay. You when you set those up, you set the center, you set the uh the endpoints and all that kind of stuff and you make sure that when you're running through that everything's right. Right. That's how I would set that up. And then for expo for all that stuff, I would use my transmitter.
1: Yeah, but between the two servos, you're not adjusting one or the other at in that point. You're adjusting the channel, not yeah. the two servos. They run off the same channel. Yeah, but what I'm saying is through the arc of their movement, those servos are not going to be perfectly in sync. So you would have to then, mm. on a separate channel, run a curve or something like that, such that if they get halfway through and they're off, you can adjust that with your transmitter with a curve. You can't do that with a programmer.
0: I did not have an issue with that on my Yak. I mean, that's okay. that's all the experience I can say with yeah. that. But. I've never had that experience,
1: so... I'm just saying.
0: Never had <laughs> where they weren't linear, you mean? Right. Yeah. So
1: are you just trying to argue?
0: Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you like can, arguing? I, I love arguing, actually. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I, I think simpler is better than having yeah. the, like I said, on, on mine, I use the smart fly switch or the, uh, not the switch, the, uh, the power, what? Yeah, the power board kind of mm-hmm. thing. And it just does a good job on its own because it has all the adjustments built into it.
1: Yeah. Yep, and that's a good way to, to put to uh to set up a bigger airplane with lots of servos. Yeah. Um, and the thing I like about the smart boards, we're getting off topic, but the I like <laughs> that's being next able, week's episode. I like being able to run up to four to six channels or six servos on one channel input, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, it's very
1: handy. So anyway, yeah, programmable servos, that's just a uh, that's just a variation of, uh, of digital servos.
0: So let's talk about some servo specifications. Mm-hmm. Um, they are sorted by several different items. Mm-hmm. Uh, the torque it produces at a specific voltage mm-hmm. is one way that we can classify them. Mm-hmm. The speed at which it goes mm-hmm. from side to side, which to be a little bit more exact, I guess would be how fast it goes through a certain amount of degrees at a given... Time. voltage and time, time yeah. Um, voltage, yeah. which usually that's what, like 60 degree throws is what they kind of tell mm-hmm. you for, for timing. I think
1: that's the standard advertising figure. Yeah.
0: And then they will uh, classify them by physical dimensions,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like sizing, and yeah. then by weight. By weight,
1: yeah. And the weight is important, even though it's usually last on the on the list, it's sometimes the most important, especially for smaller well,
0: planes. If you're building something small and weight is a factor, yeah. then yeah, you want a lighter servo.
1: Yeah. So torque, uh, this is a measurement of how like strong the servo is um, relative to other servos. Uh, it's determined by multiplying um, the force acting on the servo arm by the distance from the center of the output shaft. Uh, I'm not going to get into the math of that, but basically when you're comparing one servo to another, a higher number torque number means it's more powerful than, than a lower torque number.
0: Um, let me, let me change that just a little bit. Okay. Instead of the amount of force acting on it, it's the amount of force that it can enact on something else. Okay. Okay. I'm with you now.
1: Um, so one of the other specifications is like you said, speed, uh, again, um, measure of, of how fast the servo is in general terms, uh, usually within a 60 degree arc and it's measured in seconds. Uh, so faster servos, if like a 3d airplane, you know, you're hovering above the field, you want a pretty quick reaction because, you know, a lot of stuff happens close to the ground when you're hovering. Uh, so (laughs) faster servo, you know, maybe as opposed to a high torque servo, uh, and usually it's a trade-off and and they do it with gear ratios, uh, on, on the gear train, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, so a fast servo is going to have a different set of gears in it to provide speed, um, at the sacrifice usually of torque and vice versa. So speed and torque. There you go. Uh, the physical dimensions of the servo. Um, there's, there's, I mean, there's so many different sizes of servos. They're they're tiny, tiny little. I mean, there's servos that are just basically PC boards with an electric motor and a, and a worm gear. Tiny, tiny things all the way up to.
0: Those uh, are are those still considered servos? Well, are those I mean, kind of more like a linear actuator?
1: Well, they're a servo actuator. I mean, they're still a servo oh. actuator. Okay, you're right. Um, but yeah, they do operate in a linear fashion. They don't have any arc to them or anything. But um, yeah, so really, really small, like not much bigger than a postage stamp, really. Um, no, and you're right. Almost as light. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, we've got really huge, uh, n- not so much anymore, but uh, you could get servos that were like, you know, the size of a fist. Well, you probably still can, but uh, not so common for the RC airplane use. But because you can get
0: servos that are huge. I yeah. mean, if, if we're not talking <coughs> RC airplane well, stuff, I mean, servos true. get yeah. very big and pricey. Yeah. Uh But for RC airplanes, is there anything bigger like than the standard size?
1: You can There's. There's still some out there, um, but but thanks to technology uh, and electronics uh, and the improvement in uh, electric motors and things like that over the over the last you know 20 years, we can get the power out of a standard size. Uh, which is a roughly inch and a half by inch and a half by uh, three quarters of an inch, roughly. Um, out of one of those servos, that we could get out of a huge, huge quarter scale servo, you know, twenty years ago. So, pretty much, when oh, you, so there
0: there were. Oh yeah, there quarter were, scale servos. Okay. Yeah, there were
1: servos designed for quarter scale. You know, big airplanes, big at that time was quarter scale. <laughs> uh, well,
0: like what size were those? Do you remember?
1: Uh, I believe the I believe the standard uh, air quotes. Uh, was uh, I think it was two and a half by two by an inch and a quarter, I think. So they were physically. Oh my goodness. They were physically big servos, capable wow. of producing big power then. But like Which... I said, now we can produce that power in a sub-micro servo. That's
0: what I was going to say. I was going to say sub-micro exactly, but yeah. you stole my thunder again. Oh, I'm sorry. I took okay. got a lot. Kind of like you can get that same size
1: out of a sub-micro servo. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, Torque, speed, uh, dimensions, and then weight—the uh, weight of the servo, obviously. Uh, how much it weighs. <laughs> I mean, which once again is important if you're important. building
0: a light airplane. You want to know how much weight you're adding to it when yeah. you actually put a servo in it. But so. As far as
1: specifications go, yeah, weight—weight uh, weight is probably the most simple to understand because it's just you know how heavy the thing is.
0: Yeah, like a nine gram servo mm-hmm.
1: weighs nine grams. Weighs nine grams. <laughs> hmm.
0: Who'd have thought? I <laughs> Did sure you're... didn't think so. <laughs>
1: So funny story. Oh, go on, tell on me. <laughs> Ron thought that a nine gram servo meant that it produced nine grams of torque which, at a centimeter,
0: which yeah. I did, and I which was is... proven wrong. So I'll eat crow. Tom, you were but, you
1: were right. Well, to be fair, I didn't know. Remember?
0: No, but you guessed. I and did. You
1: guessed correctly. I did. I guessed somewhat correctly. Um,
0: but at any rate,
1: um, those actually are the four. I think you
0: had it written down. Like when we were talking one time, you had, you know, nine gram is the weight of it. And I was like, no, no, you're wrong. And oh. I got all cocky and stuff. And then coming <laughs> to find out I was incorrect.
1: At any rate, um, those are the four basic, um, specifications that you'll see when you, when you go shopping for servos. Uh, another note about, uh, servos, um, a couple more notes. Actually, um, the output shaft can be either bushing supported or it can be supported by ball bearings. Uh, the obvious, uh, maybe not so obvious, but the the advantage of a ball bearing supported crankshaft is longevity number one, um, and the uh, precision of the uh, of the actuation. Um, a bushing-supported uh, output shaft is going to wear a little bit quicker than one that's supported by a ball bearing, and it's probably not going to be as precise. You're probably going to have a little bit of slop in the uh, in the output shaft, uh, which yeah,
0: because there's friction.
1: Yeah, There's exactly. friction
0: trying to stop it from going each way, so it's harder, right. more difficult, I should say, for it to get to where it needs to be. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, which you can still buy both types of servos in both analog and digital. Uh, you can get bushing-supported digital servos, surprisingly, which I didn't know. That is surprising. I didn't know that, but I did my little search, and there were some <laughs> out there. Um but anyway, that's when you see that, that's what they're talking about, the, how the output shaft is actually supported when it comes out of the case. It's either going to be supported by a ball bearing or a bushing or just the plastic of the case in some cases. Um, and then uh, metal gear and plastic gears. So <laughs> metal gears uh, offer advantages over plastic gears and vice versa. Uh, each one has pros and cons. Um, plastic gears are going to be cheaper to manufacture. Uh, They're going to be cheaper to purchase. Um, They're going to be simpler to um, uh, manufacture, which contributes to the cost, I guess, (laughs) the the cheaper cost. Uh Um, uh, They're going to be usually lighter. Uh, It's going to be a lighter servo than a a similar servo equipped with metal gears. Uh, The advantage of metal gears, though, are durability. Um, Very much so. For instance, uh, uh, while you mentioned earlier about, you know, landing and, and a tail wheel. Uh, so if you've got a, a rudder servo that's controlling your tail wheel, um, that tail wheel, uh, on landing and takeoff and taxing is going to transmit some of that or all of that force, uh, back to the servo because the servo is connected directly to it ver you know, via linkages that we talked about. Um, so you don't want to transfer, um, a lot of shock to the servo. So hopefully you've installed your grommets correctly and, and eyelets and all that. <laughs> but in the case that, uh, that that eyelet and that grommet, uh, setup doesn't absorb all the shock. If you have metal gears, it'll be more capable of standing up to the abuse of that, um, rough handling that the tail wheel is going to provide than plastic gears will. Yeah. And plastic gears are easier to strip, uh,
0: a than, lot easier to strip, and they they just don't last nearly as long. I mean, like they wear out they even do. much faster than Metal Gear does. Yeah,
1: yeah. So um, back in the in the day, I mean, Metal Gear Metal Gear servos have been available for a long time. Um, back in the day, when we were still flying with seventy two megahertz and and uh, twenty seven band and these other bands, um, the metal to metal contact of the Metal Gear servos could set up RF noise uh which was an issue that we had to be mindful of back in those days but with the advent of uh digital spread spectrum and the and the 2.4 gigahertz uh protocols it's not something we really worry too much about these days so um i like metal gear servos myself um for most applications but you, you certainly don't need them on a lot of applications for instance uh i can think you know if you're if you're operating like a a bomb drop or something like that plastic servo is probably going to be just fine because you're not using it continuously during the flight. Throttle. Throttle, Throttle servo. Is something else
0: where you don't yeah. have to have a lot of power.
1: Exactly. They don't, don't have n- to have a lot of power. Probably don't need a lot of uh, metal gears in there. Plastic gear is usually probably going to suit you just fine for that.
0: Yeah, because so. there's not going to be a lot of pressure on it. Exactly. Your yeah. carburetor should open up and close very easily.
1: It should. Yeah. Hopefully it does. And if it doesn't, <laughs> uh, you probably need to take a look at the engine. But Yeah, yeah. a little gummed up. little. So now the fun part selecting the servos for your airplane. Okay. I thought we
0: were already at the fun part, but I'm glad that it's coming. Uh,
1: (laughs) Well, it's all fun, right? We're talking about RC airplanes, but what can be bad about it? Right. Exactly. Uh, So I'm just going to start by saying there, I mean, the selection of servos that are out there are overwhelming. I mean, it's so hard to pick. I mean, because there are so many options out there. Um, And, I just want to preface this by saying, yes, I can recommend a servo or Ron can recommend a servo. But keep in mind, we're not experts. We don't produce <laughs> servos. Uh, we don't, uh, you know, we're, we're not in the business of uh, applying servos to specific, you know, situations. Um, I can only advise or recommend based on my own experience and likewise with Ron. So any recommendation we make, take that with a grain of salt. Um, but uh, I encourage you to do your own research. Uh, it's actually kind of fun uh, just to see what's out there. And, and when you start uh, doing the conversions, like, for instance, when we're trying to you know convert torque from imperial to metric so we can compare, compare servos and apples to apples, um, it's kind of fun. I, I like doing that sort of research. So yeah. um, just a word to the wise, we're not experts. So if I make a recommendation and you disagree with me, that's just fine. <laughs> that's And you normal. probably have a good reason. Yeah. So uh, I'm, like I said, I'm not an expert and, and I don't think Ron would consider himself an expert either. No. At least not on, on servos. He is sure an wouldn't. expert on lots of other things though. I don't know what, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so having said that, um, there are servos in about every conceivable size. So, I figured it would be easier to start sort of um, with the most common sizes uh, and we talk about or I'll talk about what servos I would recommend for that kind of size um, application or airplane. It made sense to me to do it that way. I think Um, I know
0: what you're trying to go for. We'll see we'll see how
1: it goes. Yeah, like a common size airplane, this is the type of servo I would use. That that kind of made sense to me. Well, a lot of them, like
0: if we're talking ARFs or if we're talking even kits, yeah, they're made for a specific size servo, right? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Like sub micro and yeah, there's
1: there's sort standard. of standard sizes, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, so okay. I, I so you're gonna
0: you're gonna pick your favorite type for each size servo? Is that what we're talking about?
1: Well, I'll pick my favorite servo for each standard size. What did I say? You said type. Sorry.
0: <laughs> I guess I meant size. Okay. But anyway, cool. Let's right. move
1: on then. So um, I just want to uh, say that uh, in your airplane, uh, your servos don't all have to match. Now there's, you know, people are going (laughs) to want to argue with me and that's fine. Um, Obviously, if you're using uh, servos, excuse me, if you're ganging up servos on one control surface or if you're going to do like, for instance, one servo on each aileron, obviously you want those to match. I agree. But, But what I'm saying is your elevator servo doesn't have to match your throttle servo or your air retract actuator servo doesn't have to match your rudder servo. Mm -hmm. Right. So nothing says it has to. Exactly. So there are opportunities, I'll say opportunities, to save money uh, in certain applications because maybe you don't need a metal gear servo like we were talking about that's a little bit more expensive than a plastic gear uh, for something like, you know, an air retract actuator or a throttle or something like that. So you don't have to pick the, the high zoot, you know, digital high torque servos. What do you call it? Hai zoot Hai zoot Yeah. I don't know what that and, is. Yeah, that's an old term. I don't know. Fancy. It's like another term for fancy. Wow. Look it up. It's out there. Okay. Um, I'll anyway. look it up you in my don't...
0: Funkin' Wagnalls. In your what? Our Funkin' Wagnalls. The old encyclopedias. Didn't you You didn't have those growing uh, up?
1: Funkin' Wagnalls?
0: Yeah. That was the name of the encyclopedia. Oh really? I yeah. thought it
1: was Encyclopedia Britannica.
0: That was after Funk and Wagnall. Like oh, Funk and really? Wagnalls
1: was we had when I grew up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. When, oh, you was, have a fact that predates a fact that I know. Well, I guess that means I you're mean, like, old.
0: No, it doesn't. Yeah, no, you're no, old. no, No. No. When, no. <laughs> when I was growing up,
1: because there was well, there
0: was internet. I guess when I was about just. Uh, uh, s- Freshman in high school? Oh my Eighth grade is when we got our first computer, sorry. Freshman in high school is when I got internet and all that stuff on oh. huh? However, before that, growing up, going to school, if you had to do a project, we had, I don't, I don't remember if it was like 50 books or something like that, and they were the funk and wagnalls, and that I guess is who put it out or whatever, but it was the encyclopedia set. It sounded
1: like a dirty word you just said there.
0: <laughs> it wasn't, I promise. Okay. And that well, was what so. we had before we had Google.
1: Okay. Funk and Wagnalls. So I'll look up your zoot
0: suit thing, whatever you said. High suit. Yes, high
1: hyphen zoot.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's out there. (laughs) It's in the Funk and (laughs) Wagnalls.
1: Probably. (laughs) Um, So yeah, you don't have to use a big expensive, the same big expensive servo like on your throttle that you use on your elevator. Obviously you want matched uh, surfaces, you want those servos to match, like, you know, if you're two servos, you know, one on each aileron. Or Obviously, two on an aileron or two on, or two aileron, on a rudder. You're getting them together, yeah, uh, exactly. So you're doing
0: pull-pull setup where you have two rudders or two mm-hmm. servos for a rudder, you want both of those to match. Right,
1: right. Correct, okay. So having said that, uh, I'll start with the little flat foamies uh, that are pretty popular. Um, the, you're, we all know what I'm talking about, the little foam board, uh, airplanes, the sandpiper, things like that. Um, servos in this range are usually labeled Sub micro because they're smaller than micro, which is a <laughs>
0: which micro sort sounds pretty d- small to begin with. Yeah. So well, we're going sub micro.
1: Um, and then I think the one I'm not even gonna, I think they're called nano, the ones mm-hmm. that are smaller than these. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the sub micro servo and this are, are in this sort of class. Um, uh, Ron and I use the popular nine gram servo that we talked about. Um, get the, the them, cheap blue ones, yeah.
0: excuse me you can get them on Amazon
1: yeah like a pack of what would you say how many of them did we get for a buck no actually I I think it's like
0: 20 of them for for 10 bucks maybe 10 I don't remember no 20 of them for yeah 20 of them for like 10 bucks no I said that completely backwards (laughs) it's like 10 of them for 20 bucks they they end up being like 2 bucks a piece that didn't (laughs) sound right when I said it I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong math
1: (laughs) Wow, it's so hard sometimes. So yeah, it's a little blue servos. <laughs> uh, Hobby King cells. I think they're probably all made by the same. Oh, I would place probably so. just with different labels on them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're uh, they're called a nine gram servo because they weigh nine grams. Nine grams. Um, yeah. They produce uh, about one point six kilogram centimeters. I still don't know how to express that, but kilogram. And centimeter is in there, uh, which is roughly 22.2 ounce inches, roughly. What do you mean you don't know? You don't know what it means or you don't know how? No, I know what it means, but is it kilograms per centimeter? Is it kilogram centimeters? Is it centimeter kilograms? What is it?
0: It's how many kilograms it is at a centimeter. Well, there you go. Because it doesn't, I mean, it's not like linear. So So it doesn't go up. up, I'm just
1: gonna say kilograms and ounces. Because that's how they're advertised.
0: Okay. Um, so if you say kilograms, just know that he means at one <laughs> centimeter from the uh, from the center of the servo. Thank you. It'll lift whatever he says. Right. And if he is talking uh, imperial ounces. ounces, it's one inch. Exactly. So it's actually quite a bit different of a measurement. It is. Because you're measuring an inch as opposed to a centimeter. And we all know that you know an inch is 2.54 centimeters. Well, maybe not everybody knows that. Well, we do now. I we just mean, said everybody it. Everybody does now.
1: So the 9-gram servo produces about 1.6 kilograms of torque. Which, at, by
0: the way, is much more than 9 grams. Which is quite a bit more
1: <laughs> than 9 grams.
0: 9 grams is not much. Yeah.
1: So, uh, which is, like I said, t- about 22 ounces of torque. Um, They're really, really cheap. Like you said, you can get, uh, you know, 20 of them for like a dollar or something like that.
0: 20? Um, Okay. It's two bucks a piece (laughs) is what they end up being.
1: Um, But they generally range in cost from $3. And you can get some really, really, uh, I'm going to say quality servos uh, in this range uh, that produce similar specs, probably a little bit more torque um, for about 30 bucks. Uh, That seems to be the, the going rate for servos in this range. For
0: a single servo, 30 bucks? they're out there. It's expensive
1: for a premium servo. I mean, they're out there, but it's a lot more than $2. Yeah. But there, I mean, you know, there's, there's guys out there that are, well, yeah. Um, (laughs) but there's guys and and girls out there that are flying, uh, like indoor, um, competitions and things like that. And they need a high precision, you know, the center's perfect every time. So they're probably going to, you know, probably okay with spending, you know, that kind of, uh, that kind of coin on a, on a precision, you know,
0: for the common quality. foamy, though, <laughs> I would not do that. Yeah. For the common yeah. Dollar Tree foam board airplane or a small, cheap airplane, yeah, uh, two dollar servos are perfect.
1: Yeah, um, and well suited to the task. Really. Right. Like if you and and there's a caveat. So they, <laughs> always is. They don't always like these cheap servos. They don't always come to you alive. Like occasionally. You may get a bad one, but at two bucks and you and you and you each and you and you factor that over the course of many many purchases, a dead one here and there, it's probably tolerable for the uh, low cost foamies that we put them in.
0: You know, when I first bought those, I figured on half not working.
1: <laughs> They've gotten oh I'm, yeah I'm way much better.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, like I that, haven't that's gotten a kinda, bad one in a long
1: time. When I,
0: well, when I was ordering from Hobby King, and it took a month or two to get here, if I needed five <laughs> servos, I would buy fifteen or twenty of them, right? Um, figuring that some of them are going to be dead. But really, lately, and I bought some of these cheap ones off of Amazon. They've been great. I have not yeah. had a dead one for quite a while, actually. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I've been impressed. Me too. Yeah, I've had similar experiences. So ultimately, what you choose is is obviously up to you, um, and you have to weigh uh, the cost of the servo against the uh, how you feel about the airplane you're putting it in. Um, if it's a if it's an airplane that's important yeah. to you, maybe you want to spend a little bit more. Um, myself, uh, my next choice over the over the you know the cheaper ones that uh, Ron's talking about. Um, I like the Spectrum A330s. Um, you can get those for around ten bucks. Um, they produce uh, quite a bit more torque. Uh, I don't know what the number is. I didn't I didn't look it up. I should have, um, but. Uh, for around ten bucks, as a quality servo, and it centers really well. So on a on a on a on a balsa built three uh, D type airplane, I have a couple of those. Um, I have those servos in that, and they perform they perform really really well. A little bit more than two dollars a piece. Uh, about eight dollars <laughs> more actually. Um, but they, they that's that's my choice for a uh, for an airplane that I care about in the sub micro size range standard.
0: Yeah, so I would agree with that for cheap for lack of a better word, throwaway airplanes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I stick with as cheap as I can go, but like yeah. those little chipmunks that we got that we still yeah. need to put together. Exactly. I would not use the, I think what are they? SG nineties, I think is what they're actually called. Yep. Um, I would not use those in
1: that. Okay. Agreed. Just my two cents. Yeah. I, I agree hundred percent. So, um, next up would be the, the next, the next sort of standard that I kind of see, um, would be like the, um, uh, Larger scale type foamies, like the maybe the big foam jets, um, or like maybe the the big foam military like uh, warbirds, things like that, um, or balsa airplanes, kind of in the fifteen to twenty five size range. Um, these servos in this range are usually marketed as a micro, so not a sub micro, but this is like our our next step up. Mm-hmm. Um, Generally speaking, they weigh in the servos in this range are gonna weigh around twelve to twenty grams, um, kind of in that range, and produce about thirty-five ounces or two and a half kilograms of uh, of torque. Uh, and again, the the price range pretty wide. Um, I mean there's cheap ones on Amazon for about five bucks and up, and you can spend up to probably fifty dollars. I would imagine there's fifty dollar servos out there in this size range or more, maybe even programmable ones are probably uh Probably, <laughs> <laughs> probably so. Um, so my pick for this, uh, so I'll go with two picks uh, on an airplane that I, I care less about. Uh, Amazon has a cool four pack of these things for, gosh, I forget what they were, twenty one bucks or something like that for four of them. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, I I really am a big fan of the high tech uh, two twenty five, which is I think they call their Mighty Micro uh, Metal Gears. It's programmable. I think it's programmable. Um, but, again, that precision centering uh, something I would put in, like, a nitro-powered 25-size uh, airplane, which actually um, my Cloud Dancer 10 has, oh, yeah. has those servos in it. So Nice. Yep. All right. So the next category, which really is kind of our last category because uh, servos that are bigger than this uh, next grouping uh, really don't – I mean, not, I'm not going to say <laughs> they don't exist – but they're they're not common. Like so, the next they're uh,
0: not for us to worry about. Yeah.
1: So the next standard uh, would be like the standard size servo, which <laughs> generally fits in a uh, fits in a one and a half by one and a half by three quarter inch uh, uh, socket or profile mm. or whatever. Um, that is the standard size servo. Um, many many years ago, that was the. Size or standard by which all other servos were measured, uh, because it was the most common. Um, Still but, is, I would think. But yeah, um, but yeah, the the power that we can get out of this size servo now has sort of um, rendered the really large physical servos kind of unnecessary. Uh, I mean, servos in this range can can uh, are just as home just as at home in a 40-size uh, sport plane as they are in a in a huge 42% Yak, in your case. Um, so
0: if we're talking about powerful servos, the ones yes. that I have in the Yak are the JRDS 8711s? Yeah. Is that DS? Yeah, D- 8711s. So. Yep. Digital and... servo, DS. Yes. Oh, that makes sense. Yep. Guess I guess never thought about there it. There you go. 8711s, <laughs> which I don't know what that means other than stupid expensive, yeah, at $129 a piece. Yeah. And over 400
1: ounces of torque. That's a lot. That's a lot. And in addition to that, very, very, very high precision. Like mm-hmm. perfect centering. I mean. So hold on. How many ounces are in a pound? 12 ounces? Oh, no, 16 ounces. 16 in a ounces.
0: Pound. So what's 400 divided by 16? Oh, Let's gosh, just say 400. So that means this is very rough math. <laughs> this means at one inch, that servo could pick up like 25 pounds. That's impressive. That's very impressive. At one. Like I've, wow, I've never one thought about that
1: before. That's yeah. Overkill. I would 400.
0: Think. And there's two per I have aileron. Two per aileron. Yeah. Wow. wow.
1: Yeah. So, with the advances in technology, I mean, that's a prime example of what, what this size servo can produce. Um, six volt, by the way. That's at, at six Six volt. volts, right. Yeah, three hundred. that's not even a high-voltage servo. No,
0: it's not. It's yeah. 300 and some odd
1: inches at, at 4.8 volts. Yeah, which is still a ridiculous <laughs> number. Um, but, uh, yeah, wow. this servo is, is, the, is the standard size. Um, they can produce, like, uh, for instance, a Futaba S3003 uh, or, like, an S148 if you're old school like me.
0: 3003s um, are my entry-level ones.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, those produce about 48 ounces.
0: So, of torque. Um, so in
1: comparison, 12, yeah, it would take 12 to put the so, same amount of,
0: yeah.
1: of output. Yep. Wow. Rough, rough math. One tenth. Yeah. Rough math.
0: Or one twelfth to, to be exact.
1: <laughs> but I like, okay, even that's still rough, numbers. but yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, so yeah, <sighs> there's a wide range of, of, uh, performance in this standard. Um, and also a wide range of cost in this standard. So, you know, we don't need to buy the big quarter-scale size servos anymore because the standard servo is is capable of producing the torque that we that we need. It's kind of common to shop for servos in this category based on on their performance. Um, so obviously, you know, most people, I, I would assume, most people are not going to spend one hundred and thirty dollars on an eighty-seven eleven standard size servo to put in a forty size sport plane. <laughs> um, Probably not. Most folks probably wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, mm-hmm. uh, some servos I found on Amazon uh, that uh, are maybe not, you know, for over four hundred ounces, but for one hundred and eighty ounces of torque, uh, you can get a six pack of these things. I think I found some for twenty six bucks for a six pack, um, which That's would be a good deal. Yeah, it's a very good deal. So something like that in a in a forty size sport plane. Yeah, you know, that sounds a lot better than one hundred and thirty dollars each. <laughs> so,
0: what do you think of using something like that in just a regular forty? Like, would you have used anything like that on your uh, duelist?
1: Um, if I didn't already have the servos that I had, yeah, um, I did have to buy. I think I bought one of the high tech two twenty fives for my retract actuator, um, and I bought the plastic gear version of that. Just want everybody to know. Um, <laughs> But if I didn't already have servos, I probably would have. Actually, I would have taken a chance on those Amazon or on those cheapo servos that uh, I can find on Amazon. because Really? Yeah, they, they, the, the performance specs, If even if they only produced half of the voltage or of the torque that they advertise, that's still more than, you know, the standard by which this size servo was measured, you know, 48, 50 ounces of torque, um, this still beats that in a standard sport-size airplane. I, I would have no problems with that.
0: That is not the answer I expected. Yeah,
1: I, I understand because the the dualist does mean a lot to me. Yeah, um, but the, and took forever to build. It did take a while to build. And cost you a fortune. It cost a little bit of money. Um, <laughs> but the—so the servos that are coming from— Let's just say it, they're coming from China. Most electronics are coming from China now. These servos are probably made um, maybe not up to the same quality control standards as you know, a premium servo, but they're probably you know, very, very close. Um, and servo failure is something, you know, it's not common even with even with Chinese servos these days, the quality has become nearly, nearly as good, at least in the, in the standard range and maybe the smaller. So, well, I mean, even you mentioned you haven't gotten a dead nine mm. gram servo in quite a while. No, I've not. Um, so I would, yeah, I would take a chance. Uh, well, so I mean, I would, you know, plug them in and operate them, make sure right. you know, they're not dead, you know, on arrival, but yeah, I would, I would have taken a chance.
0: So let's be honest, like the, the JR8711, that's not a $130 servo. Like, the reason it's so expensive, I think, and I could be wrong, but companies that sell it, they advertise more. They have a, a much higher overhead than some of these ones that you get from China, yeah. from Amazon that are sure. you know, $6, $7 a piece yeah. that probably are not bad servos. Right. But the $130 servo also comes with, hey, if there's something wrong with this, send it to us, we'll fix it. If that happens Absolutely on one of these true. other servos that you have that are cheaper, yep. you're out. You just have to buy another one, Absolutely which still, true. by the way, if you think about it, you could buy like 40 <laughs> of these smaller <laughs> servos for the same price as one of the big ones. And I don't actually know of, like, I haven't done any testing. I'm sure somebody might have, uh, but I've not seen oh. anything that says a $130 servo is worth the extra cost over. Yeah. Uh, Seventeen dollar servo.
1: Yeah, you know I mean, what, I mean you
0: do you know what I'm trying to trying to say? I,
1: I do, and and I'm if you I, like, I can attest if you do a YouTube search of uh, a, and any of the servos from Amazon, somebody I guarantee you has tested them on YouTube, um, and that well, it's might still be hard some,
0: to test longevity and all that kind of stuff. Is, I think, but is,
1: but but I'm I'm I can almost guarantee you that that um, if there is negativity surrounding any of those servos, it should not be hard to find. Is what I'm saying. Like yes, if somebody but,
0: okay, so I, I see what you're saying. But like the, if somebody
1: has had a bad experience, either right away or long term, I'm sure it will be reflected in the reviews for sure. And <laughs> However, probably,
0: <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. However, the jr seven eleven has been around for a decade. Can you still get them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can I still buy I can them. Still buy them. So that servo is the same servo that you can get a long time ago that you can still buy. So is the Futaba S three thousand three. Right.
1: Also but okay. I guess my, my point
0: well. is, though, if some of these cheaper uh, Chinese ones come in that don't have good reviews, if it's a bad batch or something, all they have to do, because these are names that we don't know, all they have to do is just rebrand it. That's Put true. a different sticker on it, and you think it's a different servo, whereas you have a big company standing behind some of these other ones. Yeah. Pros and cons. I know. I think I yep. just talked myself into and out of different things <laughs> by what I was saying. Um because one hundred, it's it's really ridiculous one hundred and thirty dollars yeah. for a servo. Yeah. However, yeah, you can get a fix if you need to, as opposed yeah. to throwing it away.
1: Well, and you've had to do
0: that, I have. Yeah. So, but I'm still not ahead. By well, the way. no. But like I said, I could have bought forty of the other ones right. for the same price. But you also have that
1: peace of mind. What's that worth?
0: I don't actually know. Like I really don't know what that peace of mind gives me because if it fails when I'm flying, no matter what I have in it,
1: I'm kind of screwed. That's true. That's true. So, why not take a risk? Is the risk bigger? Is it, is it more pronounced? I, I mean, don't know. If, you, if you're, if you're, if this, you're,
0: this, this goes, sorry, this goes back to the personal, personal preference yeah. thing. You know, that's a decision you have to make for yourself. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So, in the standard range, a huge, huge wide range of, of price and performance um, recommendations uh, that the, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to beat. $26 for six, uh, servos capable of producing at least a hundred ounces of torque. Um, that would be my, my choice for maybe, a, an airplane like a duelist. Um, mm-hmm. if it's something that I want a little bit, um, more peace of mind or precision, uh, uh servos in this category, I'm a big fan of, uh, Spectrum. Obviously the A6020 is a good one. Um, Savox, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Saevox is what I Saybox. thought it was. Okay. Uh, they also make a nice one. I think it's a 253 MG. Um, both of those servos, the Spectrum and the Ox. MG,
0: I'm guessing, is Metal Gear.
1: Metal Gear, exactly. There we go. Um, both of those are available about 30 bucks a piece, so quite a bit more than $26 for six of them. Yeah. Um, but still, it's a quality servo that's going to be backed by a company that you can get service from if you, if you need it. Hopefully you don't, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there you go. There's my choices in the standard size range. Obviously, if I need more torque, I you know I shop around and find the one in this range that pr- provides the torque I need. But rarely do I need a servo that produces 400 ounces of torque or more. Well, you don't know that. I
0: guess you do know I'm that you're right. No, sure. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't honestly think I have anything that would need that anyway. Yeah, so like low. I don't fly it yeah. that where I would need that much torque. Right. Exactly. But it's cool to say you have it. It is. <laughs> All right. So you think
1: next time we can do
0: uh, servo setup?
1: Yeah. So I think uh, I think we've. we've I don't want to go
0: longer what? on this one because we are
1: way yeah, long. We've beat servos to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think uh, next episode, maybe even the very next episode, should be how to set up a servo.
0: I think that's a good idea. So So tune in next time to find out how to set up a servo. Or how we set up a servo. Well, it's still how to do it. It is. Might not be the right way, but it's It's a good
1: way to do it. And so far, it's served us well.
0: It's it's so far servoed us well. (laughs) All right. Until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Tom. Good night. Good night.